Welcome to Get Behind Fanny, a podcast dedicated to the behind-the-scenes stories of the music, the members, and the musicians influenced by the rock group Fanny, the godmothers of women who rock. And welcome, fellow rockers, to the Get Behind Fanny podcast, where we'll dive headfirst into the world of 70s rock group Fanny. I'm Byron Wilkins, Fanny fan and webmaster for the official Fanny website, fannyrocks.com. And joining me are Fanny's drummer, Addis DeBuer, and Fanny manager, Roy Silver's daughter, and historian, Dr. Kristen Hilaire Glasgow. Hello, ladies. Hello, hey, Byron. Byron. Hey, Kristen. Hello, Alice. And I have to say, I'm really excited about this turn we're taking on the podcast today, because even though we are talking all things Fanny, we, the three mm-hmm. of us, are doing this podcast, and we are just having so much fun behind oh, yes. the scenes, yes, yes. <laughs> including making fun of ourselves, because it's very strange to hear your own voice if you've never done a podcast before. And so sometimes when I'm setting up the clips of June and Jean, I feel like if I say, let's listen to that. It sounds like, let's listen to that. That, that, (laughs) that. So we're sharing our bloopers with you today in hopes that you will enjoy it. Cool. Kristen Mm -hmm. asks me about the, it's the millennium issue, either Mm, from December of 99 or January of 2000, Rolling Stone. I think it was December, technically, of 99. Was it? I think so. I think so, yeah. I have it. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, you do have it? Cool. I bought it. <laughs> I can't. And the funny thing is, I can't find the quote in there. I can. Good. You have to I can show take me. you right to Good. it. Good. I can show you that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to say that every chance I get, Kristen. <laughs> that. I'm going to get it right. I still don't because have it. Because you as have good to say it. The, you have to say the whole thing. Let's listen to that. Let's listen to that. that, right? That. Let, right. You know what? You're right. It works because you have to say, "Let's listen to that." Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. All right. So, shall we try starting? Yes. Yeah. 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 All right. Three. We'll see how badly we fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. Really. <laughs> Three, two, one. Where'd my mouse go? There it is. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good start, guys. I, I have dual. I have dual monitors. I'm where. It's like where the fuck my mouse goes. Your mouse went. Your mouse went up your pants, bucko. <laughs> so we're going to start off this week going into a little bit of a history lesson here because our pin, ah. <laughs> our pinned tweet on our Fanny Rocks Twitter account is by David Bowie. And so for those who are not on Twitter and for those who are and have questioned us about it, Alice, tell us where David Bowie gave this quote before we read it. Sure. It was in the Rolling Stone magazine Millennium Issue, um, December 1999, um, Mm -hmm. towards the column is towards the crack of the the gatefold of the page i can show you okay (laughs) well we actually have it so byron why don't you read david bowie's quote about fanny sure and quote one of the most important female bands in american rock has been buried without a trace and that is fanny they were one of the finest fucking rock bands of their time they were extraordinary they wrote everything they played like motherfuckers they were just colossal and wonderful and nobody's ever mentioned them. They're as important as anybody else who's ever been, ever. It just wasn't their time. Revivify Fanny, and I will feel that my work is done. 
end quote. Wow. Ooh. I love that. Well, and, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> Colossal and wonderful. I love that so much. Yes. And yes. so part of the reason, or I should say the entire reason behind the impetus of this podcast, Get Behind Fanny, was to take Bowie's quote and bring it to life and revivify Fanny. So, and just for those who may not know, Fanny was the first all-female rock and roll band signed to a multi-album deal in the U.S., which at the time in 1969 was not only groundbreaking because you were women, it would have been groundbreaking even for male musicians to get a multi-album deal with a huge label. And so... The Fanny podcast that we're doing, it basically takes us from 1969 to the end of 1973 and focuses on the four band members, Alice, Jean, June, and Nikki, and their four albums, the first three produced by Richard Perry and the fourth produced by Todd Rundgren. And that's actually who we're going to talk about today is Todd Rundgren and Mother's Pride, the fourth album. Cool. Yep. And mm-hmm. we're dedicating it to the Twitter fans out there, especially Cynthia, who requested that we play I Need You Need Me, and we're also going to be listening to uh, Summer Song, written by June. So, with that said, Byron, let's hear a little bit of Summer Song. You know, when you listen to that song with today's ears, as opposed to 1972, 73 ears, that's the closest thing that Fanny got to like the Uh (laughs) Go-Go's. That's a Go-Go's type, you know, light, airy song. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for those that may not know this, Alice, you were the sales rep at A&M Records for the Go-Go's after you split from Fanny. Right. Right. I I was. And they knew. They knew who we were. They thanked me, you know, if it hadn't been wow. for you, we never would have thought about picking up instruments, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. I found a clipping from a music critic when Summer Song and Mother's Pride came out by Charles Shar Murray. And I wanted mm-hmm. to read it a little bit to you because it's fantastic. And it actually underscores Bowie's point. So in okay. 73... Uh, Mr. Murray wrote, one of the things that would make me very happy would be to see Fanny generally recognized as the excellent rock band that they undoubtedly are. And he refers to Summer Song. This single gives you their two strongest points. Summer Song shows them in a sunny, happy mood, guaranteed to give a lift to the coldest, foggiest British winter day with a thumping <laughs> bass drum part contrasting nicely with rather restraining, restrained vocals and tastes of the fine organ and guitar work you'll know if you've ever heard them live. Isn't that cool? Oh, nice. Yeah, it's yeah, great. Nice. And that's from 73? That was from 1973. Wow. Yeah, Charles Shar Murray. That's cool. Isn't that cool? Where did you get, where'd you find that? I found it from your dear friend and fan, Angie Tapp, who sent this to us. So thank you, Angie. (laughs) Hi, Angie. Hi, Angie. And Alice, you refer to Summer Song as the orphan child song. And I'm wondering if you could tell us why. Well, I do call it the orphan child um, because it was after Fanny Hill was recorded, but at that same time, on that same trip to Europe, Mm -hmm. it was recorded 
um, at a different studio with different uh, engineers, hmm. uh, not Jeff Emmerich. And um, it is on Mother's Pride, but it's the only song on Mother's Pride that Todd Rundgren did not produce. And Mother's hmm. Pride is one of my favorite albums. So it kind of always was like sitting there like, so I love the song, <laughs> but it always looked to me like it was an orphan. And here's another blooper. <laughs> well, I was fortunate enough. Let's try that one more time. Sure. <laughs> like that. <laughs> I was fortunate enough to talk to them. Sorry. on the low <laughs> all right are we ready i think mm-hmm. well when i spoke to june about summer song she wrote this of course so byron let's hear what she had to say it's in all our music you know summer song is a song about skipping off sort of into the sunset having fun but you knew that you were going to go home at the end of the day that's you know the subtext and that made me feel safe I cool. love it. <laughs> yeah. It, the interesting thing, Summer Song, uh, this is a story that not a lot of people know, I don't I don't think, but we were going to do Summer Song on the Jonathan Winter Show. Wow. Oh. And so we're all set up on the stage and the camera is staring me right in the face and there was no <laughs> click track. So oh. that I was going to look like a real jerk because i would i would i would have missed the intro right oh yeah so i say something to um the producer uh, maybe i should leave him nameless i don't know <laughs> um anyway i say you know i'm gonna look really stupid and he says don't you worry little lady I, i'm you know it's that's my job to i'm professional at this or whatever he said but he was a real jerk about it nikki piped in she said, well, obviously you're not. If you knew anything about it, you'd know she'd look stupid. And he said, that's it. That's a wrap. It's over. Oh, and we got oh, kicked oh, off the show. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, Nikki thank came you, ladies. To, oh, man. Yeah, Nikki came to, def- to my defense. And I'm, I'm sure I was in that little, well, you know, I'm going to look like a. <laughs> <laughs> Good for Nikki. God love her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, <Emma>. also, <laughs> when I spoke to June on about Summer Song this week, I had a conversation with her about Paul Buckmaster, about mm-hmm. his horns, etc. And so yeah. it was really fascinating what she had to say. Let's listen. We recorded at Olympic in London, and I was hanging out a lot with Paul Buckmaster, and he was like my best friend. And he was helping me with the arrangement and understanding how you could enhance the arrangement, horn parts and all that kind of stuff. You and Paul created the horn parts on Summer Song together. I'm pretty sure we did, yeah. That was, his, <laughs> that was a lesson for me, that he gave that to me as a gift. 
you know, and I remember being in his apartment and uh, writing the chart. I don't remember the horn players in particular, but I remember writing it with him. So you put one and one together and you get two. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Alice actually remembers you sitting around writing the song and playing it on your guitar and before it was even Yeah, recorded. that was in the basement. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was in the basement at Fanny Hill. And uh, I just needed something to cheer myself up. So I imagined myself as a teenager, which wasn't so many years back. Like, you know, six years back, I was uh, a winsome teenager <laughs> sitting around <laughs> trying to play, learn how to play my acoustic guitar, you know. It was, it was fun. It was fun. It gave me that feeling of flying, you know. And I knew Gene could do that, you know, because we had done that type of song so many times. And it does make you feel good, you know. It's like you're supposed to be flying, and I think that's what the song does. And I love how Jean described this song and the imagery she gave it. So my impressions of Summer Song, I just always see us going along with our hair flying in the wind. That's yeah, kind of the exactly. impression of what I see about Summer Song. Right. Yeah, I yeah. see it. I've got the picture in my head. There's the Cadillac with the fins. It's a convertible. And I'm driving. Nikki's next to me. June and Jean are in the back seat with their hair blowing in the breeze. And the car lifts up and flies off into the sunset over the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I love that image. <laughs> yeah, let's play it to the end. really such a I great tune it, me too and you know it's funny it only dawned on me after we chose to do summer song that it would fall on the last day of summer for this podcast oh, that's yeah. depressing. Uh -huh. <laughs> <Summer's over. laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's what I found wonderful about this is many people on Twitter said this song, Summer Song, should be featured on every summer list, like Hot Fun oh, in yeah. the Summertime. Oh, yeah. And I couldn't yeah. agree more. So, Byron, when you're depressed, when fall comes, listen to Summer Song. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> well, it is my favorite song off Mother's Pride, in all in all seriousness. And it's a great well, driving tune for me. And, uh, you know, I play it loudly in my Miata with the top down all the time. Yeah, well, and- well it is a lighter Fanny song. Um, the You know, we were known f- for a lot of people who really liked the rock that we did. You know, and the ballads were different, but this shuffle was a lighter side of Fanny. And on the Beat Club, um, the second time we did the Beat Club, I watched that footage, and I'm just riding the shuffle. It's so comfortable. <laughs> we're having fun. We're laughing. It's really, really cool. Well, and you know, Byron, it makes perfect sense that Summer Song would be your favorite song off of Mother's Bride, because as Alice was calling it, the orphan child song, it was produced by Richard Perry. And it's, but it went on Mother's Pride, which was the rest of the songs was produced by Todd Rundgren. Yeah. Yeah. And Todd's, Todd's production was so different from Richard's that when we get into this next song, um, you're going to hear that difference. The sounds were different. It was, I mean, it's obviously a different sound from Fanny. So I'd like to hear a little bit of I Need You Need Me. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. Yeah, It's full volume. As Cynthia said, you need to listen to this at full volume. Yeah, really. Absolutely. (laughs) Annoy the neighbors. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And it's interesting on this particular song, when I tweeted this out that we were going to be discussing it, it is Mm -hmm. by far so far the most questions that and oh, comments wow. that we've had, um, oh, including cool. to Nigel Langridge and Kevin Michael LeBlanc and Adam S. Leslie, Justin Pate and Angie Tapp. Hi, Angie. Hi, Angie. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought we would go through some of their questions for you, Alice. Sure. Um, the first one being from Justin Pate. Mm-hmm. And he said, does anyone know how Todd Rundgren got Alice's snare sound on Mother's Pride? It's quite unusual, like none I've heard elsewhere. Yeah. Um, well, I know that he added echo. That's obvious, but mm-hmm. you know yeah. I've thought about it a little bit. Um, I used to put a tape a pad across you know the corner of my snare drum to give it a real bright presence instead of the well, I just gave it a brighter presence instead mm-hmm. of because when I took it off, this is the instead of there is no damper on the snare except for the one mm-hmm. that's inside the snare drum, so it gave it that um almost empty sound that he was able to really punch with the uh, echo. And he also punched up the volume because it's my bass drum, the cymbal, and the snare that he's punched up. Hmm. But you want to hear it again? Yeah. Okay, let's play it. Yeah, yeah. He even has the the bass drum sounds like it's a little punched up too. But so maybe yeah. he just 
you know your drum sound on this is different and the actually the when you the song gets going here past the intro the snare drum and the crash symbol or i don't know what the the symbol is mostly located to the left channel really which is not common and uh as a technical person that that can cause issues when the cutting the record to the master disc but it so it's an interesting take that he took that heavy snare and and cymbal sound and isolated it over to the left side and then the rest of your stuff your toms and bass drum and all that show up in the center essentially so but it, to me it, it almost sounded like it was a uh, double tracked is that true or no, no uh-uh, absolutely oh, not okay um huh. well you know what if he double tracked mm-hmm. it he did it when i didn't know about it oh okay. you know i don't believe he did it doesn't sound like a double track to me it just sounds okay. like he added a bit of echo and and punched yeah. it Hmm. Okay, so it's just isolated really well. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Nigel had asked a very similar question and said he was guessing that it's, quote, gated on its own separate track. And mm-hmm. Todd, therefore, mm-hmm. had more control over its tone and place in the mix. That would make sense. Yep. Absolutely. What does gated mean? Well, um, gated is a form of compression. Unlike typical compressors that limit the overall volume, a gate cuts off sound at a lower level. So, like, a hard snare sound comes through, but nothing else, leaving complete silence on the track. That's that's a gate. Ah, okay. Cool. Mm. Well, thanks, Kevin, for teaching me what gated meant. Uh, that's <laughs> a, that actually was Nigel. Oh, it's Nigel. Oh, well, Nigel, thanks for having me <laughs> ask Byron to explain. <laughs> you know, hey, I am going to be an go. old lady in a week and a half. Now, just stop. That's, that's oh, right. stop. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> And so, uh, hey, break this to you. We're already old. Right. Yeah, <laughs> really? Speak yeah. for yourself. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's true, Kristen. You That's youngster. true. Yeah, not really. Get off my lawn. Whipper snapper. Well, a lot of the other questions we got on the song, but I'm going to mm-hmm. quote Adam S. Leslie on it because this was the general idea. Um, he said, I'm not on Twitter, but I have a question about I need you need me for the next podcast. How is it that unusual soundscape achieved? Is it various instruments slowed right down? Also, is it the only Fanny track with overt studio trickery aside from the overdubs? No, it's not the only track um, with overt trickery because there are <laughs> other songs we'll talk about like Polecat. Mm-hmm. The percussion mm-hmm. that I played on that was, you know, way tricky mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but they the the comments that i've seen um people have mentioned angie mentioned it and um adam mentioned it about the phil specter type sound mm-hmm. 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 yeah yes and actually the same review that i read earlier from the music critic charles Shar murray he too mm-hmm. commented on this again was written in 1973 in reviewing the mother's pride and he's wrote, quote, I need you need me. The booming specterish sound supports Nikki Barkley's frighteningly intense vocal with the perfect degree of paranoia. <laughs> and specterish oh. is obviously in reference to Phil Spector and his wall of sound, right. which is why Adam was saying the soundscape. And Angie yeah. Angie yeah. said that as well, correct, Alice? Yeah. Yes, exactly. She did. Because you and I had a discussion about this and your take on it was so interesting to me. Well, I was saying that you know Phil Spector's wall of sound is such a specific sound, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so I don't see Todd Rundgren doing a, a soundscape like that. I almost see it as like a black and white reverse negative of the wall of sound. Like mm-hmm. it's sucking oh. the sound out as opposed to mm-hmm. filling every space with this wall of sound. And that would fit the gated sound. 
that's exactly what the gated thing would do. It, it sucks it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had yeah. never. It's cut that out. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. had never heard that or thought of that. And it was, it's, it was really cool in my talk with Christian about it. Um, cause it, it, it made me hear it differently. And it also reminded me that my ears and my brain are so trained to hear the Fanny music from when we recorded it and back in those days and to bring it back into 2020 and listen to it, you know, openly mm -hmm. with new ears. It's a, a, a big reason why I think a lot of people are getting turned on to Fanny that have never heard Fanny. And they're saying, mm -hmm. oh, this could be a hit today. This could be a hit today because they're able to listen to it with 2020 ears and I'm listening to it with 1972 ears. Right. You know? Absolutely. I feel the same way. And Alice, another question for you was from Applescruff909 on Twitter, and he asked about the coda of I Need You, Need Me. He said yeah. it blows him away every time with its overlapping layers of vocals. That part somehow makes me think of R.E.M., he said, doing similar things a decade later. The production doesn't feel as heavy-handed as it did on the Perry-produced LPs. And then he asked, anything you change? Um I don't think I'd change anything. I, I love um, the sound that Todd gave us. I love that yeah. Jeannie used a different tone. I love mm -hmm. that the snare drum is big. Um, no, I wouldn't change a thing on this song. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's um, bringing up Gene's bass. Another Twitter fan said that he was too blown away by Gene's bass line and tone on this song. Yeah. And that was from Sir Jonas. Cool. Cool. All right. And I also give a, a nod to uh, the Apple Scruff guy because I'm a George Harrison fan and that's one of his songs. That's a. <laughs> what do you mean? The what? guy's name, Apple Scruff. That is a song oh. from George Harrison. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's off of uh, All Things Must Pass. Apple <laughs> Scruffs. I know this is all about Fanny, but there's a George Harrison tie here. You know? Hey, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I love that you know that, Byron. I just love yeah. saying Apple Scruff. It oh, it's cool. Yeah, to me, it's a fun song too. Anyway. To me, to Byron, that just con confirms your uh, your geekness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or fandom. Well, I, Let's call I, it I, that. I wear, fandom. I, I, oh no, I wear geek very well. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you own it. <laughs> it's fabulous. I asked Jean about her bass sound on this because that too was a departure for her. So, Byron, let's play a little bit of that. Well, for a, a rare instance in my bass playing, I'd use a fuzz bass on that. I normally didn't use any sort of different sounds, but we wanted something really fat and different soundings. So I put my bass with a fuzz tone, and that was the sound in the beginning of I Need You Need Me. I mean, I barely remember that, but I know I did that. Oh, and as a bassist, I, I love playing around with a fuzz tone on my bass, and uh, really? the to, yeah, oh, oh, I, it is. It's a lot of. It, it is a lot of fun to experiment with these different things, mm -hmm. and um, and the fuzz tone effect is uh, again. This is getting a little bit technical. It's a heavily compressed distortion, so it is a different sound, and and it fits then the whole song. So uh, you know, I, I, I so I, I now as we were talking about it, it now makes a lot of sense how Todd maybe got this sound. So that's pretty cool. Mm. And I asked June about Todd Rundgren's big sounds, and here's what she had to say. No, but I'm sure that we were glad and excited because in part that was why we were working with Todd. We expected him to give us a, a, you know, a wide array of sounds to choose from or to choose them for us. 
So I'm sure that you and Nikki were thrilled. I, I don't remember it in particular, but I'm sure that that was something that, that was kind of a bonus in our choice. You know, yeah, he's given us this sound that's big and aggressive and it fits the song. I can kind of see where she's coming from because, you know, she's not got a lot to do in that song. You know, this is, uh, you know, I mean, it's heavy on the bass and the drums and the organ and the vocals, you know, from Nikki and and uh, and Gene. So, uh, you know, so I can see why she probably doesn't remember it much because there wasn't really a whole lot for her to do. She probably played some basic rhythm in it and that's it, you know. Uh, so I can see where she come from. Well, to me, she if the the rhythm guitar part that she's playing in the song it's, mm-hmm. you know, if she did the Pete Townsend arm swing, you know, John, <laughs> yes. John, John, she probably yeah. played that kind of rhythm, you know? I don't yeah. know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. and even... Oh, now, I, now I've got that image in my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think even Nikki's vocals on this are a step away from what Fanny had done in the first three albums. I mean, he, Nikki has mm-hmm. great vocals, but as Charles Charmurray, the music critic said, and I love this, so I'll repeat it. He said, Nikki Barkley's frighteningly intense vocal with the perfect degree yes. of paranoia. And it really hurt the paranoia that he's talking about just fits so well with the lyrics. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I need, you yeah, need God. me. It's really a departure for her. And I was very surprised when I spoke to both June and Jean that they were not and remain not fans of this song including the lyrics. I didn't think anything of it. I don't remember thinking of it at all. I think I, I suspect that I thought of it as an assignment. We have to do the song. Nikki's insisting. Uh, so I'll do it to the, to the best that I can, you know, the best of my ability. I remember thinking that I need, you need me, Nikki's vocal. I thought it was pretty bold and very different from anything we had done that time. So I guess I thought of it as like going along as a sign of the times that we were getting pretty bold and with the sound. I also remember I wasn't that crazy about the song, but I thought it was good for Mm. the time. What we were Um, doing. So how, how was she singing that differently than say Blind Alley? You well, know, it was just it was just the tone and the kind of song. Are you all right? You know, uh-huh. that was different, sort of different, sort of um, kind of a yelling vocal. Uh-huh. You know, I'm really sorry that June feels that way because I need you need me was the farthest thing in a way away from an assignment for me. I mean, I just love that song. I do, oh, too. Yeah. I still do. Yeah, really. Well, I, I can kind of feel a little bit because in the, in 73, talk about 73 years and, and, and 2020 years, mm-hmm. um, it was not my favorite Nikki song when I first heard this back in 73. Wow. I wasn't thrilled with it at all. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think I was looking for Blind Alley. I mean, I was looking for that kind of, and it was a, Todd was a departure. Yeah. It, a good departure. But for me, it was kind of like, oh, wait a minute, where is this stuff? And so it's like, oh, here comes a Nikki rocker. And I'm like, oh. This is, you know, now today, uh, it's completely different for me. I really enjoy the song. Yeah. And I really appreciate their vocals and all that. But, but yeah, as a 16-year-old, I'm like, eh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and it's interesting because Cynthia on Twitter, who loves this song, she's younger. And a lot of people who are getting into the song mm-hmm. are younger. So mm-hmm. they are hearing it differently. But yeah. she said for sure she has to listen to this at top volume. She screams the lyrics at top volume, much to the annoyance of her neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> and right I, yeah, right on, Cynthia. <laughs>
That's a big wall of sound. Oh, it, it that is. is a big wall of sound. <laughs> Even if it is sucked cannot... out, right? I was gonna say I'm gonna <laughs> argue. <with that> one. <laughs> but it's a but it's it's just a booming sound. I think that's the thing Todd caught that it's just this big booming sound, whether it's a wall of sound or and certainly gated or whatever. Cut back on, but and I still can't get the imagery now of Pete Townsend doing the windmill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to you got that in my brain We'll have now. to Damn ask it. June to impersonate that someday. <laughs> yes, but yes. after that big booming sound, now the song it has this little sweet and melodic break in it with Gene's voice singing it. It's just so sweet. And here is another blooper. Another, <laughs> another one. Another one. Oh, my God. Well, you're going to hear me referencing something that we laughed about in a previous episode. Us laugh. Where, I know. Is yeah, that right? <laughs> where Alice tells me to shut the fuck up. Oops, I just cussed. And then Byron <laughs> says to shut the fuck up. And it yeah. got me finally, finally to say it here on this podcast because Nigel, one, Nigel Langridge, one of our podcast fans, begged me to do it. So Nigel, this one's for you. Well, and I mean, it, on top of... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go go ahead. Now count down, Kristen. All right. So um, can you take it from me and then have Kristen yes. come in? Or do you want, Kristen, do you want me to start over? No, no. No, no. You don't need Fine. to. Just count down, Kristen. All right, all right. I was asking Kristen, not you, Byron. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> You're good. Yep. I'm ready to go. All right. So I will just count down, Kristen. Three. Mm-hmm. Two. Are you good with that? <laughs> Shut the <Sorry>. fuck up, Byron. <laughs> yes. Yes. She did it. I, I did it. That? I did it. I did it. There's for Nigel. <laughs> can I hear it? Can I hear it again? Can I hear it again, please? Shut the fuck up, Byron. Love it. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love it. Byron finally got it. so much their voices nikki nikki and jean's voices blend so well together on this yeah, this yeah they song. really do 
you know. They really and, do. Yeah. And I love how we're just about to go into the bridge, and I wanted to stop because whenever I get to this part in the song, it just makes me want to hold my breath and go, <gasps> <laughs> it really it has this sweet tension And this fade out goes on for a good 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah, it does. And, yeah. and as a person who drives in the car a lot and cranks his tunes, this is an extremely annoying <laughs> thing because you're now like, wait a minute, what happened to it? And for 30 seconds, you're like, is there something playing? And you crank the shit out of your volume. And also the next song starts and your windshield gets blown out. You know, and you see your speakers come out of the dashboard. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess the song's over now. Yeah. Anyway, well, okay. <laughs> don't know what Todd was thinking what, or what Todd was smoking when he did that. But that's a 30 second fade out. It's like, holy crap. Well, if this was an assignment, I would say mission accomplished. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> A plus. <laughs> so, Kristen, what are we going to do in our next episode? Well, we're going to continue with another track off of Mother's Pride, cool. All Mine, which is uh, we're going to be giving a shout out to Mike DeAngelis and his love, Barbara Fanning, because she loves this song. And we're also going to be listening to a track off of Charity Ball called Soul Child, one of my faves. So, cool. Byron, play a clip of Soul Child for us. Cool. She's on the pill. And it's so cool. Oh <laughs> yeah, but those yeah. those lyrics from 1972, One. 73, they're talk, we're talking about going yeah. to school on daddy's bill. She thinks she's so cool because yeah. she's on the pill. I mean, that oh, was, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know. That's yeah. Absolutely oh, yeah. Risky. Of a time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Historically. Yeah. Historically. <laughs> <laughs>
So Byron, why don't you give mm -hmm. everybody all the different ways that they can contact us? Sure. Over on social media, you can find us on Twitter at rocks underscore Fanny on Instagram, Fanny rocks underscore 1970 on Facebook as Fanny rock band on YouTube, just as Fanny rocks and drop by the official Fanny website at fannyrocks.com. And you can use hashtags, ask Alice, June jams, Jean Jeannie, and Nikki notes uh, to ask questions on any of the social media. Cool. And also just to point out that fannyrocks.com is, is Byron, you run that with Alice and it's a great place mm -hmm. to visit. There's fa fantastic photos there. There's some music clips there, cute little store. So check us out there. How yep. many times more times can I say there? <laughs> I'm just wondering. <laughs> there you go. Would you? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you two. That's a wrap. Byron, hit it. So I will just count down, Kristen. Three, two. Are you good with that? <laughs> Shut the Sorry. fuck up, Byron. <laughs> yes! Yes! She did it! I did, I did it, I did it, I did it. There's for Nigel. <laughs> can I hear it? Can I hear it again? Can I hear it again, please? Shut the fuck up, Byron. <laughs>